there are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Soul to Soul. Back on your radio, Baruch Hashem, we managed to have another Shabbos together. Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashas, Kisisa, Tov, Shin, Pei, Dalet, and a very, very warm welcome to all of our radio family. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to join us, whether it be on your radio device or on the computer, wherever you might be. In the world, if you're if you're listening, we're so grateful that you're tuning in, and we daven Hakadosh Baruch Hu, that our program should inspire people to want to grow, to want to learn more, to want to become closer to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, and to want to understand His beautiful and holy holy Torah. As always, today's uh, learning should be dedicated as Rafur Shlema. Particularly today, we're going to mention the names of some of the soldiers who were very recently uh, 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 injured in an explosion in a trapped tunnel. And the names are Yair ben Naomi Yester, Moshe Aaron ben Leah Bela, uh, Elroy Yar- Yaron ben Sigal, uh, Yotem ben Zahava, Chaim ben Miriam, Ariel ben Efrat, and Itai Bas. Sorry, Ben, Ben, Ben Rachel. May Taka, through the schus of our Torah and through the schus of those who are listening and those who will do mitzvahs, may all these people be zeichet to a complete and total refuah shleima bekorah bekorah mamish. Moshe Benu, ah, in the aftermath of the of the eagle, says to Hakadosh Baruch Hu that if you are so angry at the Jewish nation. So if you're going to forgive them, great. If not, erase me from the book that you have written. And and then it says, and now go and lead the Jewish nation. So the Torah's narrative relating this whole conversation that ensued between Moshe Abenu and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a little bit enigmatic. Right, first, to which Sefer is Moshe referring? Second, Hashem responds to Moshe's demand that his name be erased from the book appears superficially to suggest that Hashem was kind of dismissing Moshe Abenu with, with prejudice. Yet Hashem immediately tasks Moshe with with leading the, the nation. How did indignation disappear only to replace with Rachman, with compassion? Rabbi Yechiel Yaakov Weinberg, that's how the Sri Desh, explains that as part of an earlier pasuk in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe, to Moshe, Leave me alone, the and I will, I will, my anger will be kindled, and I will dispense with them. And the Eskol I'll make you right, leave me alone and let my anger flare up against them, and I'm going to destroy them and make you a great nation. Right? The the commentaries all explain that Hashem was compelled to offer Moshe Rabbeinu to become the, the progenitor of the new Klaiso after he would destroy the present group due to the promise he had made to the others, right, that their descendants would become a great nation. If Hashem were to do away with the present sinners, he would have to start over again with Moshe Rabbeinu as the leader and, and progenitor of Klaiso. This explains the Rosh Shiva, is the meaning of Sifra Kasafta. Your book 
which you wrote. Moshe Rabbein was protesting, remove me from the S called the Goy God, or remove that you wrote. I will make you into a great nation. I don't want to be the one to establish a new nation. The Va'achalem, right? And I will destroy them. Now you go and, and lead the people. You are worthy of being there, there, there. You know, it's to recap. Moshe Rabbeinu said to Hashem, I don't want you to destroy the nation and appoint me as the new progenitor. I refuse to watch them, them die, right? While I live. If they die, so will I. When Hashem heard these powerful words, right? Emanating from Moshe, when he saw the extraordinary Mesifah's nefesh, self-sacrifice, manifest by Moshe for Kleisel, he rescinded his decree, and they were spared. 101.9, Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul on your radio. We'll be back in a moment with much, much more. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM. This is Soul to Soul. Back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh. Parshas Kisisa Tov Shin Pay Dalit as you prepare for another amazing and beautiful Shabbos. Of course, this Shabbos is about <coughs> the Chet of the Egel, which was which occurred subsequent to Hakadosh Baruch Hu giving Moshe Shabbenu the first set of luchos, and we read the Torah says about <coughs> the first set of luchos, va'aluchos maseilakim hema. The actual luchas, the actual, so to speak, tablets on which the Torah was written were also manufactured, made by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the handwriting was the writing of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It was engraved on the luchas. So the first luchas were completely, completely shamayim made, no intervention by, by human being at all, and they were given to, to, to Moshe Rabbein. In other words, the Torah is actually testifying to us that the first luchas were Maishilakim, they were completely, completely made by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right? And the, which is of course in contrast to the second luchas, where Hashem said to Moshe, Pesol Lachoshne Lachos Avonim, where Hashem told Moshe, you make the, the, the Luchas. In fact, as the Pirkadrabalaza says in, in, in Memvav, that quoting Rav Techina Omer says that these Luchas were not created on the earth, they were created from the Shemayim. They were the actual handiwork of Akarish Baruch himself. And he quotes his Pasuk. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe about the second luchos, Pesolacha, make for yourself two luchos from a, uh, a, a sort of a quarry of, uh, of, of sapphire stone that was created for Moshe Rabbeinu in his tent and he hewed out the, the luchos. And it says, Vayifsol shnei luchos avonim korishanim. He made two luchos that were just similar in stature to the to the first ones. So it comes out that there's already one intrinsic difference between the first luchos that were the mamish, the creation, the heavenly creation of Akadosh Baruch Hu, to the second luchos, which were the creation of Moshe Rabbeinu down down here from the. Uh, uh from the sapphire stones that were down here on the earth. And in fact, the the Aushakarish on the sixth Pasha, Pasha says that the entire difference between the first Luchas and, and the second was that on the first Luchas, the actual body of the Luchas itself and the writing came from Shamayim, while the second Luchas the, the the physical luchas were from down here, right? That Moshe prepared and manufactured, but the actual writing on the luchas that was still done by by Hakadosh Baruch Hu, because Hashem 
is the one that wrote on even on the second luchas. As it says, it says by the second luchas, by Yichtoiv ala luchas, that Akarishbochu wrote on the, the luchas. And in fact, that's what Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu. He's going to do, I will write on the luchas, whatever I wrote on the first on the first luchas. In other words, when Akarish Baruch said that he himself is going to write on them the exact same things that were on the first luchas before they were broken. And because the the spirituality, the ruchanis of of the writing also appeared in the second luchas, so therefore the one miracle that we found by the first luchas repeated itself also by the second, the second, uh, the second luchas, and that was as uh, as uh, we know that the le- the letters of the luchas went all the way through from one side to the other. They could actually be read from both sides, normal print sort of right right to left and this is a this is a, a problem because there, there are two letters in the, in the Hebrew alphabet the the samach and the mem sophista and mem where the the circumference of the letter is round and there's a hollow sort of tube in in the middle that forms the 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 the, the non-letter space of of the of, of the letter and how did that actually stay in, in place? And the Gemara tells us that it was an absolute miracle that it stayed in place in that, in that hole. And that miracle took place not only by the first Lucas, but also by, by the, second, the second one. In, in the Sefer Kiryas Arba, he explains that the nace of the Mem and the Samach and the Luchas comes to, to teach us that at the time uh, when the the luchas were were in in uh, in attendance were were here so the samach mem who's the embodiment of the yetzorah the satan the malachamavis the the the, the sitra achra they had no power at all over of the Jewish nation, because at, at Hasina we know that the Jewish nation was restored to the level of Adam Harishon before his chait, where there was no death in in the world, and therefore the the this this force of uh, obviously who's the angel of Hashem, but who who does things like death became impotent. He had no power because there was no such thing at death at that at that time. However, according to what the Al Shech is saying. That even in the second luchas, there was also this miracle of the letters Mem and Samach freestanding all by themselves, in spite of the fact that by the second luchas, the Jewish nation had unfortunately lost that exalted, incredible status they had at the time of of, uh, of the giving of the Torah, and and unfortunately they were again uh, dying through the chait. Of the golden calf of the of the eagle, so now we have to say that in the second luchas. So why did this miracle in the first luchas? You understand that it was to teach us about the negation of the powers of that samach mem of that that force. But in the second luchas, we have to say that this miracle came to teach us that through a person learning and studying Torah, he can also manage to overcome and negate the power of those forces of evil and to literally weaken its ability to, to damage and, and, uh, and prosecute against us. In fact, as we find by, by Davon HaMelech, the Gemara in Shabbos, the Daphne it says that the Malach HaMavis had no ability to come and do his work and, and take his neshama so long as he was busy learning Torah. In fact, the Gemara tells us in, in, in Moed Cotton also, and Davchavches, about Rav Chisla, 
that the Malach was not able to take his neshama because he was constantly uh, busy with, with learning Torah all the time. So eventually the Malach went up and he sat on, on a huge cedar tree that was next to the Basin Medrash of, of Rav Chista, and he uprooted the, the cedar tree. Imagine what kind of noise that made. And Rav Chista stopped his learning for for a minute because of the of the very, very loud noise, bang that must have been from the snapping of the of the cedar tree. And then the Malachamovas managed to take to take his his uh, his neshama. So the Mishnah Ova says in Perikhei, Mishnah Ova, that there were ten things that were created on Erev Shabbos, just as Shabbos was coming up, they're called Benash Mashas. And, and they are the opening of the earth that swallowed Kairach, the opening of the well from which water was given to the Jewish nation, the mouth of the donkey that spoke to Bilam, the rainbow, the mon, Moshe being a special staff, the shamir, a certain insect that was used to cut the stones for the base, for the base hamikdash, the writing and the, the so to speak stylus that was used to do the writing, and the luchas were all created at that moment from in the transition from the weekday to 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 Shabbos. We're going to come back with much much more right afterwards, but let's take a quick break and come back and continue to discuss the first and second luchas. This is Bangalore High FM. The program is Soul to Soul. Please stay with us. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Kisisa Tov, Shin Pei Dalet. And we are talking about the Luchais, the first version that were manufactured totally and completely by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The second version where Moshe Rabbeinu actually created the the stones and the last thing we mentioned before the break was the Mishnah Prikiyavas that at the very very moment of the transition from weekday to Shabbos, Hashem created ten things and amongst them were the luchais and the writing and the sort of speak stylus that Hakadosh Baruch Hu used to do the writing were all created at that time and of course we know that this time of what's called Ben Hashmoshes of of Erev Shabbos is a kind of a, a a a hybrid time of weekday and and Kodesh, right? It's Suffolk Hashecha, Suffolk Eina Hashecha. It's it's a doubt. It could be that it's already dark, in which case it's already Shabbos, or perhaps not. Perhaps it's still it's still Friday. And since the Luchas, the first Luchas, were uh, uh, made by Shemayim, and when Moshe Rabbeinu brought them down to to this to this earth, so they then received the the laws, the kind of the the the, the science of 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 down here, and therefore there was this uh, 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 sort of this uh, mixing, the synthesis of the spirituality where they came from, and the physicality of the world to which they. They, they arrived. Now, after we understand that the entire distinction between the first Luchas and the second Luchas was only actually in the, the source of the actual material on which the Luchas was made, so now perhaps we can begin to understand what it says in the introduction to, to the famous Sefer Shev Shemaitzer, quoting the Maharal from Prague in, in Teferis Yisrael Perik Samaches to explain a very interesting statement of, of the Gemara. The Gemara says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu never finalized a treaty with the Jewish nation only because of the Torah Shabbat only because of the oral Torah was Hashem prepared to enter into a covenant with us? 
and and he quotes the pasuk says in this week's parsha, "Ki al because it was only on sort of the mouth of, the, of, of these words, "Korati that I was prepared to enter into a covenant with you and and the Jewish nation, and and the explanation of this is that as far as the written Torah. The sort of the five books that the the Pentateuch, as 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 we know, the Torah Shabbat which is written on on a cloth, written on a parchment. So there's no absolute sort of uh, proof of a connection or a special connection, and 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 the treaty, the covenant that exists between Hakadosh Baruch Hu with Klai but when we talk about the oral Torah, the Torah Shabbat which was not written down on cloth at all, and it was just handed over to the Jewish nation that they should be busy with it, they should immerse themselves in it without writing it down, Baal so to speak. So therefore, in the same way as the Torah Shabbat as the written Torah, needs to be written on, on a parchment, on a cloth. So too, the Torah Shabbat, the oral Torah, needs also to be written on a cloth, but not a physical piece of parchment, but rather the body of every single member of the Jewish nation. That who learns Torah needs to have the Torah indelibly etched into his very, very fiber of, of his being. And, and through that, through by dedicating himself to Torah and filling himself with Torah, he creates the sanctity of, of his body and he connects himself to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And and that's why, in fact, the pasuk says, "Like Karas Hakadosh Baruch Hu Brisim Yisrael, Hashem was only prepared to enter into a covenant with the Jewish nation, Ella Bishvil Dvarim Shmapel, only because of the oral Torah, because that's the Torah that we actually have to imbibe into our into ourselves." In other words, in the Luchas, the second set of Luchas, so the physical. Cloth, the physical parchment, had the Torah written, had the written Torah, the, the five books of Moses, because we go written on that cloth. However, the Torah Shabbat, the oral Torah, <coughs> that was not written on the cloth. That was written on the actual bodies of of uh, of Amishal. The Rami Pano. In his Sefer Asara Mamoris, she brings there that the entire Torah Shabbat was actually written on the first Luchas. And he adds even more that if someone is Zayche to kind of, kind of to state and, and to, and to uh, kind of, uh, novelize new ideas in Torah, what we call Chidushe Torah, and, and they're true and they're real, and they're mamish uh, uh, Torah, Lamita Shel Torah, they're actually to the, to the essence of, of, of the truth of the Torah. So then, he is actually meriting to, to, to mirror the thoughts of Torah, the Chidushe Torah, that were written on the first Luchas. Whatever chiddush, whatever novel idea we're going to come up with, whatever new in-depth understanding we're going to have of of the Torah was all written on the first Lucas. Every single word of Torah that was ever going to be brought into this world was on the first Lucas. And that's in fact what we we daven. And we say, Hashem, grant us our portion in your Torah, that we should merit to, to, to think and to devise uh, words of, of Torah that are, uh, that are synonymous with the ones that were written on the first, on the first Luchas. So it comes out, therefore, that as much as a person is able to think of, to, to sort of using his own intellect, his own mind, to come up with novel, new, incredible insights and ideas 
into the into the Torah, the more and the more person is able to 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 bring down and reveal his portion in in the Torah Shabbat. So therefore, he's actually every single time a person says a chiddush, he is engraving on his own body the Torah Shabbat, the, the the oral the oral Torah. And his body then becomes more and more pure, more and more spiritual, just like those first luchas. That even the actual physical body of the luchas was in itself spiritual, itself came from, from, from Shemayim. And then he'll merit to get to that level of the floating mem. And the floating samach that was in the luchas with that nace that, that remained there in, in the nace. And, and he will also be freed. He'll also be, be, be uh, 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 kind of emancipated from the influence of that, uh, that samach mem, which is the, the malach, the malach amavis. However, the, there is a difference when it comes to those who are on such a high level that they've actually you know, gone even beyond the learning of the of the written Torah of the of the Parish of the revealed Torah and they're able when a person gets to a certain level and he's learnt long and hard enough for decades, so then he's able to access not only the revealed Torah, but he's able to start to plumb the depths of what's called the Torah Sanistar, the hidden Torah. Because the hidden Torah, that already is, is beyond us. That already fits into the concept of the first of the first Luchas. And if by the the Torah, the, the revealed Torah, we explained that after the breaking of the Luchas, Hashem inscribes all the learning of a person on his own body. And through that, his body becomes pure and, and spiritual. That's as far as the revealed Torah is, is when a person merits after all the years of learning and, and, and mastering the revealed Torah to be allowed to be to access the hidden Torah. So there obviously that as I say that can only happen after one's body is so clean and so pure, and only then is it appropriate, is it fitting for a person then to learn the hidden sections of, of, of the Torah, as it was with the, the first Luchas, that actually the, the physical material of the Luchas was, was spiritual and, and, and came from, from heaven. Now, the Imrayemis in this week's Pasha says that even though that it says that when Moshe Rabbeinu came down, and saw the luchas, the letters all flew away off the luchas. However, the fourth of the ten statements, the statement of Zohar Shabbos Lakacho, remember the day of Shabbos to sanctify it, remained on the luchas and did not fly away. And that's what we say in in the Tvil in the Shman Esrei of of Shabbos morning, we say, Ushnei luchais avonim harbiyadah, Mashabeinu brought down to luchais, because of Bahem Shemira Shabbos. And, and uh, the, the observance of Shabbos remained written on those luchas, even after everything else left. And perhaps we can explain what he says because there's a Gemara in, in Masech Shabbos, again, in that famous sugya on, on Daf Peches, which brings down that Rav Simoy expounded the following words. He says that when the Jewish nation said, Nasev and Ishmael prepared to, to uh, 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 perform the Torah, and then we'll hear what's in it. So 600,000 Malachim came 
to every single one of the Jewish nation. And they tied two crowns on him, one corresponding to what they said, Naseh, and one corresponding to that they said, Nishma. And unfortunately, when the Jewish nation sinned by the sin of the ego, so 1.2 million angels came came down and and uh, and sort of removed those crowns from them as it says in the parsha their 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 crowns were confiscated from from hachorev and Rabbi Yechanan says Moshe Rabbeinu, who obviously did not sin was not involved at all in the sin of the golden calf, he took all those crowns, as it says, because the very neck after the right after the discussion of the golden calf, the Torah says, Moshe took his tent, and and Rashi says it's an expression of right, balu uh, nero. Uh, you know, it's that's that's this was this was the we're told that Moshe Rabbeinu's face had this shine, this was the light of all those crowns that lit up Moshe Rabbeinu's face. Resh Lakish says that in the future, HaKadosh Baruch was going to return all those crowns to us. As the verse in Yeshaya chapter 35 says, Uftuye Hashem Yeshuvun, those who Hashem is going to redeem will re- return. Ubo Tzion Berina, and they'll come back to Tzion in great joy and great exultation. The Simchas Oilam Al Roisham, and the eternal joy will be on their heads. What is this? A, a, a Simcha that you put on your head is these is these crowns. Comes the the Ariyah Kaddish in in the Shara Kavanas, and he says he reveals to us. That every single Shabbos Kodesh, Moshe Rabbeinu returns to Klai Yisrael those tremendous crowns that we received from the Malachim at Hasinai. And he says, if a person will, will uh, uh, focus on all that we've been talking about regarding the words Yismach, Moshe, Bimat, Naschelkoin, Moshe Rabbeinu said, rejoices with the gift in his portion. What gift? So the gift was that when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Mount Sinai to get the Torah, they gave him 1,000 portions of, of, of light that are all alluded to in the Aleph phase that of Adam and Shais and Enish, right? as, as, as it says in, in, in Divriyayam. And when Klaiso sinned by the, the, uh, the Egel, so then unfortunately uh, these were all taken away from Moshe Rabbeinu because of the sin of the Jewish nation. And all that's left was just one portion of that thousand. And and that is the symbolism of the very small letter Aleph that appears in the first words of Sefer Vayikra, the Aleph of Vayikra, that small, that small uh, Vayikra El El Moshe, because the Moshe Abeno did never lost the crowns because of the sin, because he never did the sin, but he only lost it because of the sin of the Jewish nation. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, uh, pays him back and returns to him all 1,000 portions, right, from the, the, the chelek that belongs to all of Yisrael, which is uh, uh, those lights and, and those crowns and, and the, 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 the finery that, they, that the Jewish nation received at Sinai and then was taken away from from them, as we quoted the pasuk that their things were taken away from Har Sinai, Moshe took them and uh, uh, returned them.
to for, to the portion of 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 the Jewish nation. That's quote from the the Ariza. Comes out therefore that on Shabbos Kodesh, which we know the the Zoya Kodesh expresses the day of Shabbos as Yoima Dinishmasa, the day of our soul, the day of Anishama. Every single Jew merits this tremendous, tremendous spiritual lift to a high level, and he's able to reach a situation all the way back to the level you were on by the first Luchas. Where in the first Luchas, as we said, even the physical part on which the Luchas was written and the handwriting itself were all created in heaven. And therefore, it says that, uh, Arizal says also, I heard from my Rebbe, says the Arizal, that anyone who is buried on Erev Shabbos after the fifth hour of the day, including the fifth hour, will never see his body uh, 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 sort of uh, decay in, in the grave. Because the Kedusha of Shabbos keeps away from him all the external forces. And he won't have to go through any of the pain of the disintegration of the body in, in the grave. And that's the secret, he says, of, of Friday, of, of Yom of Hashish. In other words, that the, the purpose of, of the disintegration of the human body is to remove all the physical parts that are that that were sort of part of the human being, and and through that he will and because of the physical parts of him which may not be complete, he won't be allowed to go up to the highest highest worlds. But on Shabbos Kodesh, even the physical body we know becomes spiritual, and therefore there's no need. For the, for the disintegration of the human body to remove the physicality from him and the Jewish nation are able to receive, to receive and, to, and to have returned to them those crowns that they got at the time of the first of the first uh, of the first luchas and therefore it's definitely so appropriate that a person should learn Torah on Shabbos, as is brought in many, many of the, of the holy books, the Tversus Shol brings the Maharal, brings it, the Chidah brings it in, in Midbar Kedemus, and the Pasuk hints it to us, where the Pasuk says, Bow down to Hashem, and you have that Kedusha, the Hadras of Kedush, which represents, of course, a, a, a Shabbos. Because on Shabbos Kedush, a yidzeiche to reach the high level, reach the level of the first luchas, and is able again to merit the kedusha of Torah that we want received when we had the first, the first uh, Torah, and to purify himself and raise his level to an unbelievable type of closeness to to Hakadosh We'll be back in a moment. This is one more point FM, soul to soul. We'll be back in a moment with our Hilchos Shabbos slot. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Kisisa, Tov Shin Pei Dal, and a warm welcome to those who might be joining us at this point on the show as we're getting ready for our Hilchas Shabbos slot. But as we always do at this point, just to give you the important times you need to know for this coming Shabbos. So this afternoon, the earliest time for you to light your Shabbos candles is at 519. It's already getting early. 519 already. You can put those Shabbos licht on and allow and invite the beautiful Shabbos atmosphere, the Shabbos Kedusha, the ambience and the restfulness of Shabbos to enter your home already at that at that point. Everything can be done before. Everything can be organized. Sit down with a book or an article or a cipher 
and kind of mellow down as we get ready for, for Shabbos. If you can't manage to make that time, the latest time for benching licht this afternoon is at 20 minutes past 6, 6.20. That's the absolute latest time for doing it. Please don't rely on the fact, well, I have another 18 minutes till sunset. No, no. That is not time to be used. That is set aside, as I always say, for injury time, for desperate situations where a person needs that time. We have to regard 6.20 as the time when Shabbos absolutely must be ready. The keys to the car must be put away. Everything must be put in its in its right place. The lights must be on. The food must be on. The heat sources they need to be on. And we must then, at that point, really usher Shabbos into our into our lives. There's still some people that accept Shabbos at the standard Johannesburg uh, uh, Shabbos time, which is the last time I'll say that this year, which is quarter past six. Not much of a difference between them, five minutes. And, of course, uh, sunset then this afternoon is at 6.38. 6.38 is absolute latest, latest time, even in an emergency, to do Anything, therefore, if you want to be able to uh, repeat the Shema and say it uh, in its right time, just in case you didn't say it in in shul in the uh, in 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 the right time, so all you have to do is wait till six fifty six six fifty six four minutes before seven. You can already. Uh, uh, say the Krishma, say the full Krishma, fulfill the mitzvah of saying Krishma at night, and then you can sit down and really enjoy a beautiful Shabbos meal with your friends and, and family and just really spend some time talking about the Pasha. There's an amazing, amazing Pasha. Pasha's Kisisa, so much to, to talk about. Talk about the events of the week. Talk about lessons you've learned from uh, uh, world events that are going on. Make it a positive, positive chinuch education experience for you and for your entire family. Tomorrow, of course, we're going to be learning Pashat Kisita, which is quite a long Pasha. Lots going on, especially the first two Aliyot are very, very long when we go through in the second Aliyah, the whole story of the Egel Azav, of the golden, of the golden calf. Take some time open a Chumash, look through the Pasha, look at some of the Rashi, some of the commentaries. There's so much, so much that after is one that we don't very often get to read because Pasha Kisita is usually in a regular year uh, uh, either Pasha Para or something. We don't often get to read. It's an incredible story of, uh, of Elio Hanavi. It's something certainly worth uh, uh, reading and, and learning and learning uh, uh, about. Uh, Shabbat carries on to, so to speak, ordinary special Shabbos. And Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 7.09. Seven minutes past nine. Next Shabbos will be Shabbos Mavarchim, and we'll get ready to usher in, so to speak, the Adar Sheni, the real Adar, next, next uh, Shabbos. We are learning today the laws of pickling, and, and uh, preparing foods in, in that way. And our Chazal have forbade us to, so to speak, let's say pickle, uh, uh, pickle cucumbers or olives or anything along those lines in, in salt water or in vinegar because the, the activity of, of pickling is very similar to the activity of, of cooking. Similarly, our Chazal forbade us to salt uh, any kind of foods where the salting is going to cause them to actually change their very nature. Let's say, for example, a, a radish or an onion or, 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 a, or a, 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 a garlic or a turnip or, or cucumbers that through the salt, they begin to sort of exude, uh, so to speak, sweat and... and uh, and the bitterness starts to go out of the fruit, and they become softer or sometimes harder, and and their their taste definitely improves. And this is very very similar to the another category of of work on Shabbos, which is the concept of 
tanning hides, which we'll learn about uh, presently, and and the the uh, the influence that the salt has on the foods is similar to the kind of uh, uh, chemical activity that that happens in in, uh, in in cooking, and this is all brought down in the Shulchan Aruch in Simon Shin Chaf Chaf from Sif Beis all the way through Vav. One is allowed, let's say, to dip one piece of something in, in salt and then to straight away eat it. Because when one does that, it doesn't really look like you're intending to pickle something. And according to many, many of the Paisi, many of the authorities, you would even be allowed to salt several pieces and to put them, let's say, in front of you on your plate in order to eat them straight away, one after one after the other. But the the minig is that one should be strict and make sure that you do eat straight away every single piece that you did that you sort of dipped in in the salt. Because if you allow the piece to sort of sit around the piece that was dipped in the salt, to sort of sit around for a while, right? And, and, and then you go, let's say, and dip other pieces also. So in the meantime, you're already, it already looks like you're starting to pickle that, that, that piece, and therefore uh, uh, you can pickle them all at once and then eat them at once, but not sort of uh, make it a whole, a whole process. Now, when we add oil, to, to the mix, so then you're allowed to salt then several pieces together because the oil sort of counteracts the salting action and kind of dilutes the, the potency and the power of, of the salt. And that is not considered to be a usual way of of, of of pickling, but it's really just more a way of of flavoring uh, types of food, as as the Mishnah Bura says. Similarly, you'd be allowed to put salt in a in let's say a, a cucumber salad or or in radishes that you're preparing for a meal that's going to take place uh, imminently, because since that. You're adding also oil and other spices, which kind of weaken the the power of of the salt. So it becomes clear that you're not actually uh, 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 pickling it at uh, at all. And similarly, you'd be allowed to put uh, uh, a salt as much as much salt as as you'd uh, as you'd like on 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 vegetables, which are the kind of vegetables that you would not normally and ordinarily sort of pickle in, in salt. Let's say, for example, your, your, your tomatoes or something like that, which are not things that are usually pickled, that you would be allowed to, to do on, on, uh, on, on shops. Um, even things that look like pickling, so Chazal forbades to do. Therefore, you're not allowed to, let's say, prepare a large quantity of salt water or other sort of liquids in which one usually pickles foods, but you're allowed to prepare a, a, a small quantity that will be just enough for the dipping of the food that you need for the next, the next, uh, uh, um, may we, may, uh, the next, next meal. If you have sort of a very concentrated salt water where the percentage of salt is sort of uh, uh, two to three, that you're not allowed to prepare even in a very, very small quantity because that really looks like you are preparing a, a brine for, for sort of pickling almost almost fish. Okay, we're going to come back with some closing comments in a moment. This is 11.9, Chai FM. The program is Soul to Soul. And this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 
What am I going on? Chaim, and this is salt to salt. Back on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Kisisa, Tov, Shin, Pei, Dalit, as you prepare for another outstanding Shabbos. We are talking Hilcha Shabbos, and we're talking now about coloring foods. There's a general rule that one needs to hold in his hands that there's no prohibition of coloring, of painting foods. Therefore, you're allowed to take uh, 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 spices right, that are going to change the color of the food in the foods. Even it's going to add definitely a yellowish, a yellowish color. You're allowed to dip bread in wine, even though the bread is going to turn is going to turn red, because the iser of dying from the Torah is only a permanent kind of die that's going to last for a long time. For instance, uh, uh, when you die, clothing or, or you paint walls. And Chacham added, and they forbade also a, a type of, of coloring that's for a shorter time. But food, where the main point is the taste and not the color, and we don't usually uh, 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 paint things in food. We don't usually dye food. Chazal did not forbid us to, uh, uh, to, to sort of dye food in a temporary kind of way. Now, there are some machmir not to dye drinks. Because there, it's, it's much more visible the fact that you've colored it. And, and drinks are something that one is far more used to. And it's far more considered something that's, uh, that's a normal thing to do to, to color drinks. Because sometimes, let's say we prepare uh, liquid kind of colors to sort of uh, uh, to dye clothing or to, to paint. And therefore, in spite of the fact that these are things that are intended for drinking, so many people say that you're not allowed to dye them from, from, from the, from the Chacham. And according to many, most of the Paiskim, in fact, also by liquids, there's no prohibition of, of, of dying. And that, in fact, is, is, the, is the halacha. However, l'chatchila, whenever possible, it would be better to also sort of try to take into account the, the stricter opinion and not to die drinks. And therefore, let's say when you're mixing red wine together with white wine, it's, it's better not to pour the red wine into the white because then the white is then colored, but rather first pour the, the red wine and then pour the white wine into the, the, the red wine because the, the, it's not recognizable then that the color is actually changing because the white wine is kind of sort of negated in the redness of the red red wine, and similarly, let's say you're making a, 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 a juice from a concentrate, it's better to first put the the concentrate and then pour the water on that, because then the water becomes uh, uh, absorbed in the in in the concentrate, and it's not so recognizable that they are being that being uh, uh, dyed. And similarly, let's say you're making tea using, let's say, a, a tea essence, it's better to first put the tea essence and then to pour the water on, on that. That's what the Sharetzian uh, uh, says, that you should first, uh, and of course, in that situation, you should be pouring the water from a from a cliche. Well, that's all the time we have this week. So let me just wish you a quick good Shabbos. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being part of Radio Family. And to each and every one of our radio audience, a beautiful, geschmack, and restful Shabbos.